Praise God. Praise God. Did everybody, if you didn't get your hand shaked or your neck hugged, I need you to raise your hand. No, I'm kidding, but I hope everybody, hope everybody felt the love of God today. We loved each other. Let's look at the book of Mark, Mark chapter 12. And uh, I want to read to you verse 28, just a few scriptures, then I'll let you be seated. Okay, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. The Bible flippers, the pages are flipping, and all the other folks are clicking on their device, and the rest of you are looking at the screen. Are we ready? Mark 12 and 28. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, he asked Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Let me paraphrase that. He said, what's the most important thing? And Jesus answered, and he said, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Somebody say amen. amen. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This, he said, is the first most important thing. And he said, and the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these, the most important things. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now watch what Jesus, look at this verse 20, 34. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely. He said to him, listen, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. I, I wanna preach just for a little while today. I wanna preach to you about the most important work of your life, okay? If, you, if, you have, if you're searching, you're like, man, I just... I need to figure out what this whole thing about. Listen, I am going, the Lord is going to help you today because I'm going to preach to you about the most important work of your life. And the Lord's going to help me do it. And he's going to help you here. And, and God is going to do a great thing in us. Would you lay your Bibles down? Lift your hands to heaven. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you, Lord for your presence. We know you're here. We have felt your presence in this house. God, as we have worshiped and praised you, you have, you have shown yourself. You've already touched people's lives. God, tears have flown and hearts have been touched. We thank you for that, Lord. But now your word, your word is important to us, God, and you have something you want to say. God, get this preacher out of the way, and God, let your word be preached, and let our hearts be tuned to it, and let it explode into that individual perfect word that needs to be spoken in every individual life. And I give you praise and honor and glory for all things done today in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated today? Let's thank him for his word. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word today. It is forever settled in heaven. Amen. 
Does anybody know what weekend this is? Yeah, yeah. Labor Day. Labor Day weekend. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you have Monday off? Raise your hand. It used to be everybody did, but not everybody does these days. Have Monday off. Anybody looking forward to Monday? I mean, I know some of you don't even have any plans. The only plans you have are that alarm clock will not surface on Monday. Amen. Yeah, you're going to sleep in. Maybe you do have plans. You have family. Labor Day is a great, great holiday. It's a good break. In fact, it started in 1894. Congress declared the first Monday in September a national holiday. They said, we're going to have a day where we celebrate the work of all Americans. Way back then. Now, work can be very powerful. You look at history, just even a casual glance at history would tell you that work literally, and it's not figuratively, literally built America. Hard, sweat, blood, and tears built this nation. And God has blessed us, amen? Anybody still feel like, I don't care what your, what your uh, political views are, or what your, anybody still believe we're one of the most blessed nations on the planet? Amen. I'm glad I'm here. We just had missionaries in other places that I can't even name. And they started talking to me about how it is there. And I'm just going to be, call me selfish, but I'm like, I am proud to be an American. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad for the blessings of God. But I'll tell you what, even in my short life, the idea of work and work ethic has changed just a bit. Anybody else feel that way? Work used to be something that was a part of a a person's pride. Uh, I I heard someone say one time, there are three kinds of workers. For example, if you're moving a piano, you got the guy that's going to get behind, he's going to push. He's the pusher. He's going to push that piano. And then you have the second guy that's going to be on the the front end of that piano, and he's going to pull, and he's going to lead and guide. But there's always that third guy that says, I'll pick up the bench. Work has become... In this generation, in a lot of ways, I believe a four-letter word for a lot of people. And by that, I mean a bad thing. Because work has become meaningless. Meaningless. Has anybody ever had a meaningless job? I mean, you went to work and you every day, or at least some of the days, you said, why am I here? What am I doing? I remember a job when we, my, my, my wife and I, we were first married. And uh, we needed just a little extra money to make ends meet. So I said, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a job at a local pizza place here around town. And I'm just, just to make a couple extra dollars, you know, I'm going to do that. And I, I remember these were not good days for me. I, this is not a proud moment, um, but not because of the pizza. There's good, honest work. But uh, it was the fact that I couldn't master the idea of putting a pizza together for some reason. Uh, I remember the first job I had was be the guy that puts the dough out. And uh, after a certain amount of time, I wasn't keeping up. Things weren't right. And they said, hey, you move over and you put the sauce on. Well, I couldn't put the sauce on right. And so they moved me down the line. And when, before I quit, I was the topping guy. Just sausage, pepperoni, and I still got yelled about how much pepperoni It's not a proud moment in my life, but it was a meaningless job. And it got to the place where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take all this grief over pepperoni. Anybody ever had a meaningless job? You know what I'm talking about? Where you say, I need to to feel like this means 
something. I need to feel like there's purpose to this. Someone said once that work is better pursued when there is significance behind it. I've heard people, I believe incorrectly, say, well, work, work was a, uh, it, was, it was a part of the curse of sin, and I have to disagree with that idea. That's not true at all. Work was existent before sin ever showed its face. The Bible says on the seventh day that God ended his work. Work was what he made. He rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had made. The Bible tells us that, that, that the Lord God took the man and he put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That, is, that means to work it and to watch it. God's intention first and foremost with work was, to, was that of it being spiritual and satisfying. It had purpose and it had plan. Now listen, I hope you have or you get a job where you can make a difference. And, and if you don't, I hope that you at least work in a way where it will make a difference. Colossians tells us to work willingly at whatever we do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember, because of that, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is not the people, it's not the company, it's not the retirement, it is serving Christ. In other words, he says, if you work right, you'll work for God and you'll never work for a company, you'll never work for an individual. Now, I hope that all works out for you. That was a pun. But there is a much more important work that we ought to be focusing on than what is represented by the hours or the schedule or the paycheck that you're going to collect for what you do this week. God said there were two very important things. In fact, the most important things that you needed to do with your life. Two very important things to work on. He said they were number one and number two. Not just commandments, but principles, assignments, tasks, and duties. He said, Jesus said, the first of all the commandments is hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He said, this is first. Everybody say number one. Now, everybody loves God here, right? Everybody? Everybody love God? Everybody love the Lord? I'd be surprised today if anybody said, nah, I really don't love him, really don't care for him. I just came here because there's nothing else to do. Now you're here because there's a love of God that for God that is inside of you. I've got no doubt that everyone would answer right. But the Bible talks about a level of love that comes out of your life and therefore consumes your life. The Bible talks about that one of the first things and the most important things that you've got to work on, some of your most important work, is to make sure that every part of your living, 
is based on the motive of loving God. And if you're wondering about the details of that idea, he said this would include your heart. Your heart is the seed of your emotions and your passions. This would include your mind, which encompasses your decisions and your thinking. And it would include your soul, which is your overall life and direction and the whole reason for the breath in your body. That word with actually means with and out of. So in other words, that we are to love God with our heart and out of our heart. And we're to live for God and love for God with our emotions and out of our emotions. Let me just stop off and say that's why people get a little emotional when they praise God because every time you praise God, you use your, has anybody ever felt better when you praise God? Amen. Wonder, wonder why? Because the reason is you out of your emotions, you are loving God. With your mind, we're supposed to love. And out of your mind, that means I'm supposed to love him with my thinking. Do you love the Lord? Has every thought you thunk today loved the Lord? Has everything that's crossed your mind this week loved the Lord? I'm just telling you, loving God is more than a statement. It is giving your emotions to him. That, that's why you can't just come into the house of the Lord and stand there. That's why every decision you make in your life just can't be ostracized from your spiritual life. Loving God is greater than just declaring something in a public space. Loving God is giving every part of your life, loving him out of and with my heart out of and with my mind out of and with my soul my overall life direction loves God Ooh. the purpose and direction of my life is about loving God with and out of and then he says we are to work on this with all of our strength all of our strength. Does anybody know what it's like to give all of yourself to something? Anybody ever worked really hard one day? You know, athletes will say this. They'll say, well, man, he left it all on the field. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, he left it. It's usually after they've lost. But he said, they left it all on the field. What are they saying? They gave it everything. I wonder, I wonder. Let me just say to me so you don't get offended. I wonder how many times I can look at the Lord and say, I left it all on the field, Lord. Everything. I loved you with everything. This is why it's work. Because you have to work at it with all your strength. Why did he say with all your strength? Because it's hard to love. God like that. It's not an easy thing. It's not a trivial thing. It's not something you just wake up and say, yep, that's what I'm going to do. No, you've got to work at it. Why? Because in our lives, I don't know if you've noticed or not, we've got a few distractions. Anybody? There's nobody. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that nobody here today is going to say, oh, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. You agree with the concept of loving God with everything. But the truth of the reality is that there's a lot of things that get in the way. There's a lot of distractions. People get in the way. Don't name them, just think, all right? People get in the way. Problems, anybody got any problems? Go ahead, raise your hand. You got some problems? I know some of you do. You've been in my office. There's problems that get in the way. And then the worst of all, the worst enemy of all, the love of God being shown in our lives is our own stinking will. 
My biggest problem is not the devil. Brother Johnny, my biggest problem is Brad Nave. And there's been so many times where my will got in the way of my love. I'm preaching to somebody. You've got to work. The most important thing in your life is you've got to work on loving God with everything, giving every thought and every emotion and every bit of your life direction to loving him. It's more than just declaration. You have to work on it. So what's that mean? That means sometimes you have to stop how you're thinking. Sometimes it's like, nope, that, that thought does not love God. No, 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 that feeling does not honor the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. I, I, you know, some of you hold on to that phrase, be angry and sin not. Yeah. Listen, you better be careful of that. The Bible says the wrath cannot work the righteousness of God. Be careful of that. Sometimes there are feelings. You just got to say, this feeling does not love the Lord. This feeling is about me getting my way. This feeling is about me doing what I want to do. This feeling is about my desires, about me, me, flesh, flesh, and other people. Listen, no, you've got to love the Lord with everything. And love the God with all those resources. Sometimes you got to look at your direction, look at your soul, look at your life direction, where you're going to end up, and say, I got to stop going this direction. You got to work. Everybody say, work. Work at loving God with everything. You got to stop some things that are sapping your strength because some of the most important work you'll ever do is learning to love God with your whole life. Jesus wasn't necessarily, or God wasn't necessarily trying to say, oh, it's these three things. He was trying to give you the message that everything, all has to be left upon the field. The second thing, he said this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody say love, neighbor, as yourself. Look at somebody next to you and say, hey, neighbor. Now, here's what I can tell you. Listen to me. When we talk about, this is the one place where Jesus told us specifically, God told us specifically how to love. How? And here's what he said. He said, you love others like you love you. Because here's what I can tell you about everybody in here. You ready? You ready? I don't care how good you are, how much you love Jesus, how much you gave to Tupelo Children's Mansion or St. Jude or whatever. I don't care how great a person you are. You love you. You love you. You are your greatest fan. If anybody is cheering for you, most of the time you're cheering for you. If there's nobody in the stands, you will run out in the field. You will play the play. You will run up in the stands and you will applaud your effort. Because we love ourselves. I've heard people say this, and it's true. I'm not making light. I've heard people say, oh, you need to learn to love yourself. And I know there's people with self-esteem issues. I'm not making light of that. But let me just tell you, people with this problem are very few and far between. Because humanity at its root is all about self-preservation. That's right. And this is why God said, this is why he used ourselves as an example, Nathan. That's why he did it. Because he knew how he made you. He knew the thoughts are in your mind. He knew the, the very basic elements of the root of your humanity. And he knows a human being will look out for itself. It's just natural. It's part of the human makeup. He said, you love people like you love yourself. You know what you do when you're hungry? You feed you. 
Anybody feed yourself this morning? Some of you paid money to feed you because you wanted something a little bit better than what was in your cupboards at home. Do you know what you do? Colleen, when you get thirsty, you water you. That's right. I get thirsty. I'm going to find something. You know what? I was thinking about this this morning, Sister Cherry. We went to the zoo a couple weeks ago, and they were charging like $17 for a cup of Coke. Come on. I need some. Who went to the zoo? Come on now. Do you know what I paid for a cup of Coke? $17. You want to know why? I was thirsty, and I love me. That's right. I was going to make sure I had something to drink. And then I really loved me because I bought myself some ice cream and I got something from one of them places. Listen, I'm just telling you, we take care of ourselves. How many of you have been sick in the last 30 days in one way or another? You're sick. Did you lay down? Did you not go to work because you were sick? Because you said, I got to take care of me, right? I'm not making light of any of this. I'm just trying to show you. It is the basic human element to take care of ourselves. We will drop everything else to take care of our basic needs. Anybody with me? Okay, that's how Jesus told you to love everybody around you. Now that's tough. I'm just going to tell you, that's tough. And if it's, not, if it's not already bad, let me make it worse. I'm not making it. Jesus said it. God said it. He used the word, listen, neighbors. Look next to you and say, hey, neighbor. Neighbors. Do you, do you know what, the, if, you, if you look at the translation, the original Greek word for neighbors, you know what it means? Here's what it means. You ready? It's gonna, you're not going to like it. Anybody close. Anybody close. And when Jesus goes to describe, they asked Jesus one time, who is my neighbor? And he tells them, he takes it to the stream and he said, uh, basically it's the people you hate. Jesus said, love others like you love you. And some of the most important work, come on, one and two, some of the most important work that you'll ever do in your life is loving others like you love you, loving neighbors, anybody close. That does mean those you like, praise God. That means people I like. I like so many of you. I like all of you. I can't think of one person right now. I just let me scan the crowd for a second. No, I like everybody. Everybody here, I like you. So you're easy to love. You're easy for me to say, what? oh, you need to borrow my truck? I, you can have my truck. You, you need a few bucks? I'll give you a few bucks. You need me to help. You need me to pray for you? What do you need? I, I love everybody here. But it's not just the people you like. He said your neighbors. That's the people I don't like. It's the people that I agree with and the people I don't agree with. It's the people that are nice to me and the people that are mean to me. There are people that are my friends and my support group and the people that offend me. Everybody. He said you're not like everybody else. You've got a work that's been assigned to you. And that's to love everybody around you. Anybody close like you love it's work because of the scope of this commandment. Because it's easy to love those that love you back. Isn't it? I, I've got kids, and I love them. In Jesus' name, I love them. And I'd do anything for them. This is no joke. I'm not making a joke. If one of my boys or my girl or any of these 
wonderful in-laws that God is putting in our lives and bringing them into, I don't even like to call them in-laws. Any of my kids, if they asked me for something, they said, Dad, we're in trouble. Let me tell you what I do. I'd eat peanut butter and crackers forever. Come on, Bruce Melder, I know you would, right? Anybody, what other father wouldn't? What other, you, because, you want to know why? Because those kids love on me. Once in a great blue moon, they'll come and say, Dad, we love you and appreciate you. And that pays me up for like a decade, okay? I love my kids. Anybody got grandkids? Woo! Okay, forget the kids. Grandkids. I'll, I'll do anything for the grandkids. I, I, I'll give them anything. Let me tell you something. My garage, I can't park cars in my garage because my, kid, my grandkids have more cars than I own. Because I just keep filling it up with toys. They look at it and say, I want to do it. Why? Because they love me and it's worth it. It's worth a hundred bucks every time they smile at me or do something cute. It's easy to love people you love. It's easy to love people that you give back. But it's harder when nothing comes back in return. But Jesus said, this has not got anything to do with you. It's got to do with me working through you. And some of the most important work that you'll ever do in your life is loving others like you love you. So we get done with all this, and the scribe that has talked to him says, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, he says, is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. He said, what, what happens on the inside of a man is greater than anything he could ever do outwardly. And the Bible says, now watch this. I'm going to preach this for five minutes, and then we're going to see what the Lord will do for you. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Does anybody catch that? He says, what are the most two, two most important things that I could do? And Jesus said, you love the Lord of God with everything you have, and you love people as yourself. And Jesus looks at this man and says, you're close. Huh? Just close? Well, uh, there's, there's something unsaid here, but very completely apparent. The, the word wisely means prudently. In other words, this guy was not faking. This guy was not speaking out of some ill motive. Jesus, the Bible is telling us that Jesus perceived this guy was honest. He was intellectually honest. He wasn't like, if you look at, you look at the, you know, the context of the, of the chapter, there were scribes and Pharisees that were trying to trip up Jesus. But this one guy that really does love God, this one guy that really does love other people, he said, Master, you've answered why. When Jesus saw the honest intellectual answer of him, he said, you are not far. You're not just quoting scripture. Believed and truly loved God. A real effort and work to love others. But yet Jesus would point out that he could love God 
but he still could not grasp that God was in the flesh straight before him. He could love and follow commandments, but he couldn't love and follow Jesus. The difference between the scribes believing and Jesus' comment was he said, Sir, you're on the other side. You're part of that establishment. You've got it all right. You, you love me. You're honest. You're intellectual. Why aren't you doing the last thing that the first two things lead you to? Following me. He could love God, but he could not grasp that God was in the flesh. He had an honest heart for loving God, but he was blinded to the one to, blinded to the fact he should follow him. See, you've got to work at following Jesus. Close, they say, is only good enough in horseshoes and hand grenades. It's not enough for us to be close to the kingdom, close to truth. And if we're not careful, you can become content in being close to God's kingdom, but never in it. Close to the will of God, but never in it. Close to obeying the plan of salvation, but never obeying the plan of salvation. You can be close and be in the house of God. You can be in the right place at the right time, but never really follow Jesus. I'm telling somebody, God's got more for you than just to be close. Close to his kingdom or near his kingdom or listening to the things and the truth of God's kingdom. He wants you way down deep on the inside to be in his kingdom. Somebody say close. His disciples asked him one day, he said, Jesus, what are going to be the signs of the end of the earth? And Jesus spent Matthew 24 telling them parables and explaining illustrations and going through details of that time. And then you get to chapter 25. And he said, then at that time, the end, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish, they took their lamps, but they took no oil. Everybody say oil. They took no oil with them. The wise took oil in their vessels, in their lamps, while the bridegroom tarried. They all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil. They said, Oh, no, we can't give you of our oil, lest we not have enough. But you go by and sell. And while they were away trying to take care of the very basics bridegroom came. You know, we had a missionary not too long ago to the Middle East, which I, I can't name because of some of the work he does. But before he left, he gave me a gift. Some of you may have bought them. They had him out there. Gave me a gift of a, a little lamp that was dug up from an archaeological dig in Israel. And, and he told me they believe that these are the lamps or the types of lamps that were referred to in this parable. How many of you have ever heard that parable before? Would you raise your hand if you've heard that? Sure, a lot of us have. i got to tell you, in my mind, tell, tell me if you're like me. When I think lamps, I think lantern. Anybody thought about a lantern? You know, where they're carrying a lantern? It's, you know, probably about this big. And you think about oil and how much would be in there. Do you know the lamps that are probably one? I've got to, I meant to bring it out. But it literally fits in the palm of your hand. It's just this big. I got to thinking, Sister Joe, how much oil? How much oil would it take to be in a little bitty candle, basically, that's in the palm of your hand. Here they were. How much preparations in the story that Jesus shared? How many preparations did they make? They had to own the right clothes. They were in the right place. 
They were with the right people, but they neglected the very basics of the reason while they were there to have light, to be able to go in to the bridegroom. Can I tell you, as silly as that sounds, I'm telling you, Jesus said that's how it's going to be at the end of time before I come. There's going to be people that sat in the right churches, they heard the right preaching, they had the right experiences, but they never really followed me. They didn't take care of the minuscule basics of obedience. There was no oil in their lamp. The lesson is you can be in the right place and even the right time. But without the basic things being taken care of, loving God, loving people, you cannot follow Jesus. And the most important work you ever do in your life is obeying God and his word and his plan for you. I feel like today I'm preaching to somebody that you're close. I'm here to tell you, you're close. If you're here today, you're close to the kingdom of God. I've got nothing that would challenge and say that you don't love God. I'm not here to challenge you and say that you don't love people. I'm not here to challenge you and say that you don't give a, t- a tip of the hat to the man upstairs, but I am here to ask you, is there oil in your lamp? That while you love God and the people, do you follow him? Because that's the problem that Jesus had with this scribe. He said, you're close, but you don't follow me. There was another young man earlier on in that chapter, earlier on in that book, that came to Jesus and said, I want eternal life. And he told him, he said, well, then sell everything that you have and follow me. But he couldn't do it. Why? Because he had another idea of what it meant to follow Jesus. Can I tell you, when we get to the end of this journey, it will not matter what we think or how we interpret what it means to obey God. Can I just tell somebody that? Listen, I won't be the one calling the shots. When I stand before the Lord, I will not stand before my community. I will not stand before McLean County. I won't stand before the United States of America I will stand before the one true eternal judge and he will judge me out of this world have you obeyed the gospel have you obeyed the word of God have you repented of your sins have you been water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the taking away of those sins have you received the gift of the Holy Ghost and if you have are you obeying God's plan for your life Are you following after him? Or like a scribe? Or a religious leader? Or like a rich young ruler, as he was called in Scripture? Have you got your own idea of what it means to carry out the will of God in your life? You're close today, but have you obeyed God for salvation? You're close, but have you obeyed God for what he looks for you in ministry? You're close. But have you obeyed God that in the midst of your conflicts that he can give you answers? I'm just telling you because God is watching. Anybody? God's watching. He's looking. Listen, you can walk out of here and say, ah, that guy. Fine, I'll be that guy. But when, I, when, when you leave and I go home, God's still looking. Yeah. I read a story about a retiree. Every morning they were building a new shopping Mall, strip, strip mall next to him. And every morning he'd get his coffee and he'd walk over to the edge of the, the job site. And he'd drink his coffee and just watch the progress. It's interesting to him. He, he got to noticing this one bulldozer operator. He just got an admiring him. He, he would show up early before anybody else. And while other guys were kind of standing around, this guy was always working. And he was really good 
He seemed to be really good at pushing that dirt around and having it just right. And just He never had to redo anything. He just, he just admired him day in and day out. And finally, an opportunity came up where he was close by. And he said, listen, hey, buddy, I just want to let you know, I've been watching you for a while. Just had my eye on you. Been here, been here a few days now. And you do good work. If nobody has ever told you, I want to tell you, you do some excellent work. And he looked at him. He said, who are you? He said, oh, I just live right over there. He said, are you telling me you're not the foreman? Let it sink in just for a second. How many of you have ever worked harder when the boss was looking? I, some of you better, you, you better nod your head yes. How many of you, when you knew that somebody was watching, you say, I got to get this right. I'm just trying to tell you there's somebody watching. And you've got to get this right. He's watching and he's looking for followers. Would you stand with me here this morning? The truth of the matter is this. I don't know. I always want to know the end of the story. I hate open stories. I want to know the end. I, I just, I need that resolution. But the truth of the matter is the Bible never tells us what happened with this scribe. There's a lot of people that have ideas about who it might have been and what might have happened. But they're just ideas. We really don't know. The Bible is not clear. But I do find it interesting that in Acts 6 and 7, the Bible says after the Holy Ghost was poured out that the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts 15 tells us, assures us that there were Pharisees that began to believe on Jesus. John 12 and 42 Tells us, records, it said, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. But because, listen, of the Pharisees of that time, they did not confess him. Thus they'd be put out of the synagogue. And the judgment against them was because they loved the praises of men more than the praise of God. What would you give up? If the Lord said you had to, to follow him. Or maybe the better question is, what wouldn't you give up? I wonder if you've got a threshold. I'll serve him to this point. I'll, I'll follow him to this point, but don't touch my, my work, my job, my family. Don't touch my hobby. Don't touch my idea, my philosophy, my mindset. Don't, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a threshold. I'll go so far. And you can stand here and say, oh, are you trying to tell me I'm not saved? Are you trying to tell me I don't love God? I'm not trying to tell you anything except what the word of the Lord says. And here's what I'll tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. He told us that many shall say to me in that day, Lord, we, haven't we prophesied in your name? And in thy name we've cast out devils. In thy name we've done many wonderful works. But here's the problem. He said, I will tell you. I will profess to you. Unto them I never knew you. Depart. You know what that sounds like to me? Close. Really, really close. Close enough to do wonderful works. Close enough to have authority over demonic spirits. 
close enough to call him Lord and think that he is. But be deceived. I'm just trying to tell you, when I read that, I don't care how long I've known him. Every time I read that, it is a wake-up call. It is a, a wake-up call for me to look inward and say, you know what, Brad? You better not be trying to fool yourself. You better not be trying to be something that you really aren't. You better not be just, just caught up in the, the ins and the outs and the, the rituals of, of what it is to serve God. You better make sure that you love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your life. I wonder if there's anybody here today, maybe you are just close. And you've never taken that step. You've never really followed Jesus. It's not that you don't agree with him. It's just you never stepped out and followed him. I want to tell you, today's your day. Today's your day to follow him. And if you're following him and you're like, you know what? I need a wake-up call. I, I'm not sure of all my motives. I, I'm not sure that all my thoughts are loving Jesus. I'm not sure that all my emotions are given to loving God. I'm not sure the direction of my life is taking my soul to eternal life. So I'm going to go to an altar today, and I'm going to make sure. I'm going to bring my little lamb because it won't take much. Can I tell you, you don't have to pray 17 hours to get your heart right with God. It's a simple prayer of a moment of repentance that can change you and set your course forever. It's a little bit of oil that brings a whole lot of light. Come on, is there anybody today? Already some of them come. I challenge everybody in one way or another. You ought to leave your seat today. You ought to come to an altar of prayer. You ought to come and, and just go ahead and bow before him and tell him just, Lord, I know you already know this, but I love you and I love you with my life. I love you with my heart, Lord. I love you with my soul. God, my life, its direction, God, is built upon my love and my interaction for you. My mind, Lord Jesus, I'm giving every thought. I'm giving every imagination, casting down and away everything that's not like you and embracing everything that honors and loves your name. Come on, would you love the Lord today? Would you love the Lord?